patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing like I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate I hate just like throwing up like any old cymbal snare drum and whatever, um, building a kit and then going to listen to the song and go like, oh, well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. When you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer, is getting sound. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5-4. You break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do freeze in each hand or whatever, but it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases you Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Man, oh man, has it been a while since I've done a, a podcast. And of course, it's it's so funny. I keep getting messages from people in my uh, in Facebook and Instagram. When are you going to do another podcast? And I kind of, I guess, I guess unofficially, I did do another podcast. I was on the um, the Drum Gab podcast uh, about a week ago with Seamus Evley from Canada. He has an awesome podcast called the Drum Gab Podcast. If you have not checked that out, he goes quite in depth with each person he talks to and he does an interview every week. He does research on the person and really, really gets into uh, each of the people's minds that he talks to. So it was really cool. It was an honor to be on his podcast. And we talked for almost three hours. We talked for two hours and 40 minutes, I think. And then um, he kind of edited it down a little bit to get it just, I think it's at about 210, which is, which is crazy. But we talk about some really interesting things. And um, there were some hard questions that I that I was challenged with. He would ask me a question and, and uh, I really had to think about my answers to some of the, some of the questions. So that was a lot of fun. So if you're, uh, if you're needing to hear some, some stuff from me, there you go. You can go over to, to a drum gap podcast, episode 91 and check that out. Um, well, I am in the car, which is usually where I've been for my recent podcasts. Um, it seems to be the only time I have is when I'm driving, and I do drive a lot, but I also enjoy listening to podcasts while I drive, and main, the main podcast I listen to is, uh, I just love the Gary V podcast. I think he really, um, he's such a great communicator, and he's so good at kind of, you know, it feels like he's saying the right things as far as how to how to grow a business in a positive way through 
um, just providing a lot of value to people instead of trying to pull one over on them. And I love the idea of, of the modern day entrepreneur business concept being based on integrity of product and, uh, you know, care of clients or customers and, um, just really making it personal and getting into understanding the people that are using your product, which is, uh, you know, something I, I guess if you're a musician, if you're a drummer, um, you are an entrepreneur for sure. You are out selling something that you've created. You've created the talent and the ability to play an instrument. And now it's time for you to become an entrepreneur and turn that into your business, which means joining bands, playing gigs, teaching lessons, um, you know, all the things that come along with making a living through doing your art and your craft. So when I was younger, uh, when I was first starting out, excuse me, I only woke up about 30 minutes ago, so I'm a little tired from my gig last night. I'm going to have a little swig of my Gatorade. We, we played a last, we played a gig outside last night. And uh, it's kind of hot a little bit. Not, I don't want to say it's hot because when I lived in Texas, we played some super hot gigs. But uh, anyway, we all, everyone stocked up on Gatorade last night so we could get through this little rooftop four-hour gig. And I have a little leftover Gatorade in my car, so I just had a little bit. Um, anyway, yeah, when I was younger... It was almost not cool to talk about business. You know, you wanted to be an artist. And, um, of course, that I don't know. That, that, that mentality was not something that I was into much. And I think when I was into it, I started to realize that the reason that I was into it was because I was afraid because when you're not getting a foothold yet in turning your art and craft into a, an actual business, an actual thing that you do to live on, um, it's almost like if you, if, you, if you start talking about business but you're not succeeding in it, it kind of psychologically might make you feel like, like you're not, like you're failing or, or something. So I think a lot of musicians claim artist. This is this is in the past. I think things have changed a lot because jazz musicians were the main ones that I would observe, kind of, you know, casually going through their day and not really concerned about anything but, you know, being able to play more complex lines over changes and, uh, or more change, you know, more cooler lines over more complex changes and stuff and not really concerned about the business and I'm talking about the business of like just because you have a gig now you've got to do the things that are required to keep that gig or make that gig successful which means and here's a big one dressing right <laughs> you know if you're going to book a gig and I don't know a lot of jazz people play gigs in restaurants so if you're going to play a gig like in a nice restaurant that actually pays a couple hundred dollars a man to play some jazz for a couple hours and you show up 
in a in a in something you mowed the lawn in because you don't care because you're an artist. Well, that's bad business move, and you're not going to get that gig again. So there's a lot of little details that I think people, you know, at some point in their career, if they're not, if if if, if, if they're a creative artist type musician. I think some of those things are challenging for people, and uh, I don't know. In the in the big picture, when it comes time to having to support yourself and being a professional, you've got to pay attention to all the details: the playing, the booking, the relationship with with the people you're working with, the relationship people you're working for all the things that go along with that there's a lot of you know you know some gigs that you're required to you know there's a schmooze factor where you finish the gig but it's really important that you go to the dinner at the house of the person who is promoting that promoted the the show you know because they're excited to have you in town and and uh, you've you've got to that's part of your duty um, is to do things like that and sometimes it's easier to be like I played my gig and I just I'm done I'm not, I don't want to hang with anybody or anything but you know that's part of the game I don't, I'm, it's kind of weird that I'm talking about that I must be thinking about specific situations in my own life where it was hard for me to make a decision on whether or not to continue the hang with people that I didn't know just because they were the ones that you know made the concert happen or something. Anyway, um, I, I, I love listening to the Gary Vee podcast because he talks about very simple concepts of just being real, really having your craft down, but also really understanding how to communicate what you're doing to people and, and um, you know, how to build a business. And I've always been super interested in entrepreneurship. Um, you know, whether it was selling candy in school or, or you know, trying to, we did all kinds of things as kids to try to make money, but it was always fun, it was always something I liked to think about. In high school, I did a couple things, I went to a boarding school my last year of school, and um, my two little entrepreneur, well, I had a couple, I actually had more than two, <laughs> Uh, the ways I made money in, at boarding school was, um, one, I had my car. I wasn't supposed to have a car, but I, I parked it off campus, and I would I would um, rent it to people. I can't remember how much. It was a long time ago, but I was renting my car out by the hour or maybe by the night to, to people who needed a car. So I guess, in a way, I was the original enterprise car share person. I was renting a car by by the hour and uh, so that was a way I made money and another way I made money was I designed a frisbee golf course on my on my campus of my school and then we would we would play for quarters a quarter a hole and when visitors would come to the school I would always have rolls of quarters and frisbees ready and I would be able to change their you know their twenty dollar bill into a roll of quarters or whatever and and then we would go out and play frisbee golf, and I would always win because I I played frisbee golf all the time when I was a kid. So that was one way I made money. 
And another way I made money is I had this crazy light. I don't know where it came from. I had this, I had this light bulb. It must have come from my parents' house when I before I went to boarding school. But somehow I ended up with it. And it was a sun lamp. It was a lamp that actually would tan you. And so I had this sun lamp, and uh, people would come into my dorm room and pay me by the minute to use the sun lamp to tan their face. <laughs> and it was pretty popular because, you know, when, when kids had kind of blemishes on their face in high school, if you, if you could, could kind of get your face tanned, it would, it would change the, the look of your healthy skin, I guess. I don't know. But uh, that was another thing I did. Then, and then another thing I did to make money was I guess I never really liked doing things by the by the rules because I didn't really have many jobs, real jobs. I always wanted to do things on my own. It's very interesting reflecting on that. But the other way I would make money was um, I started pressing my my pants and shirts and wearing uh, like tucked in button down shirt with a tie to school every day. And when I started doing that. The other kids in the dorm wanted to dress that way, but they didn't have an iron. So I was then in the business of ironing things, and I would charge a dollar for pants and a dollar for shirts, and I would iron people's clothes for them so they could also look nice when they went to school. So that was another one of my little business ventures. So I was always kind of that way. And... Um, and I think that that mentality kind of worked its way into my music career too, because I remember early on when I was first starting to play in bands where we were, you know, going on the road and, and playing playing gigs. I was always trying to figure out ways that would be interesting, an interesting way to promote the gig or an interesting concept for while we're playing the show, or maybe some some giveaway for a CD during the show from a trivia question or you know thing ways to promote the band and ways to kind of just make the whole thing an experience more than just like playing I don't know that was that's just always sort of been how my mind operates and I guess that's part of part of my personal creativity is always just sort of having ideas I've kind of I've I went through a long period of just an explosion of ideas and um you know, books full of ideas, just like anybody. I'm sure that you as well have come up with a ton of ideas and then eventually they become million dollar ideas, all these great ideas that are cool business, you know, concepts or whatever. And then there comes a point and it came, there came a point for me too, where the ideas, it's like, I started realizing that you can have a million ideas. Anyone has ideas. Everyone has ideas, but to put those ideas into action, that's the trick because then it, it, it's almost like I realized that having an idea is almost like just sitting around and daydreaming and, and uh, the, the part of putting it into action and making it a reality it was kind of like my version of the jazz musician who doesn't want to talk about business because they're not succeeding in it very well um, you know and, and back to that real quick there's no reason a jazz musician can't be super successful and there are there are many jazz musicians who have, who make very good livings and are very smart and are great business people. 
Um, so I'm never talking about the whole when I when I'm talking about things. But I am I am probably talking about certain people that you know or, or thoughts that you've had your, yourself. I'm sure because I think we all sort of have the same thoughts at some point in our life, and eventually we evolve into each day uh, a little differently and hopefully more refined and more focused and understanding more about ourselves. So uh, I started this, this kind of um, this mission to turn my ideas into things, into actual things. So the, this was around the time of the internet kind of really taking off. And, and so every time I would have an idea, I would, I would buy a website domain for the idea. Like I'd come up with a name for the idea, I'd write it out write out like a plan of what it was and the details and I'd buy a domain name and I might even build a miniature, you know, just a small website kind of talking about it to sort of just do something, make, take some action to make uh, a, a weird creative idea real, make it something that is more than just an idea in my head or just something on a piece of paper. So I would actually make this commitment of <laughs> buying a domain name, putting in the time to to come up with a whole concept and, and actually put it out. And I did that a bunch, man. I probably did that 20 times. And each time I would get a little better at, at you know, designing a website or I'd get a little better at having a focused idea. But still, these are just like the beginnings of, of ideas that came to me. Um, and none of those ever developed anything. And then some, some of those became like, 30, 30 written pages of plans and actual meetings with people of, you know, trying to get this idea off the ground. And then I would, it, it, I think usually what would happen is I would keep having other ideas. So that would be a distraction. And then I would also start getting, uh, not discouraged, but kind of wimping out because I was realizing, oh man, this is, this is becoming work. And I, and I don't, I'm not, I would, I would, I would put things to the test so hardcore when something becomes really taking my time, I put it to a massive test and I will, I will spend days sometimes trying to think of anything that is a fallacy of the, of the idea. I will attack it from every single angle and then come up with ways that my fallacy could be fixed you know, go through this whole series of, of uh, kind of you come up with a great idea, you flesh it out, you build it out until you're ready to start having meetings with it, and the whole time you're sort of attacking the idea, trying to find some problem with it, and then you either fix it or you say, "Yep, that's the problem. I'm no longer moving forward." So that was that. That's a process that I kind of think that's important. I mean. You have an idea, you can't just, to me, it, you, you know, you, you've got to jump. You've got to jump fast and you've got to, like, start to build on this idea if you have it and you think it's a cool idea. Because it's one thing to tell people, hey, i got this cool idea, what do you think about this? And, oh, yeah, that's great, man, you should do it. And then that's it. And then it dies. So, you know, getting in the practice of turning the idea into more than that, actually spending time writing it out, making plans, I think that's an important uh, 
step in the development of of building kind of a, you know the entrepreneur mind for sure. So um, yeah, I, I, as I continued, I started to realize that each of my ideas now, I understood what a, what a, what one of my ideas meant. It meant there's a process. So so I started to ref, uh, I started to filter my own mind on ideas because as I said before we all have a million ideas our minds never stop racing and everything you see could trigger an idea and so I started to filter out um, almost what I started considering noise mental noise which in the beginning it was like wow this is creative magic in my mind and then and then I finally kind of evolved into the place where I understood it more as as mental noise, and I would filter through and really focus on an idea because you know I started realizing that if you can't bring an idea into fruition into manifestation then then what's the point it's just like like I said it's just like sitting around daydreaming so um I continued to do that. I continued to build things, and, and, and the biggest thing that I built at that point was uh, I came up with an idea for a kids' band called the Sparkle Monkeys, and we actually wrote a TV pilot and hired an artist to create characters and came up with voices and storylines and wrote about a dozen songs and the, and the whole thing was about these superhero monkeys that would save situations through music and it was this whole like thing for music education and, and music outreach and children's uh, entertainment and it was massive and I literally spent gosh at least two years, hundreds of pages of, of writing and thousands of hours, literally, I mean, probably 10,000 hours. It was crazy. It was, it was all consuming every day, every minute for several years. But, uh, it just, it just started not feeling right to me. And it was, it was going. I mean, we were actually, we actually had a, had a gigging component to it where where we played, uh, it was, we had a whole band, and the band, we had, like, character names, and we had this whole thing happening, and, and then it just, like, it just, it just stopped feeling right, so I kind of stopped that, and, uh, and then the, and then the final idea, the, and so, so the, you know, in the beginning, it's really interesting, look at this timeline, because in the beginning, the ideas are, like, there's hundreds of them a day. And then you start taking those ideas and you start trying to do something with them. And all of a sudden, you might stick on one idea for a week. You might stick on one idea for a month. And then all of a sudden, an idea might, you might stick on, a, on one idea for two years. And you don't even realize it because you're so into developing the idea. So the, the last big thing of that for me was the Sparkle Monkeys, which is, uh, yeah, gosh, I don't know, it was at least two years, it, it could have been three, of full-on hardcore dedication, and and then when that fell away, 
the most final, the final idea that has now been uh, something I've been on for a little bit over 10 years now is to take the one idea of uh, polymeters, the one tiny little concept of polymeters, and build it into uh, the whole drum mantra concept. And so the drum mantra kind of came to me in 2007, and it was based on just me practicing um, rhythms and programming things and listening to how rhythms function together. And then, the, and, then I, and then I realized when I was practicing these rhythms for such a long period of time, simple things, just like the relationship of three sixteenth notes and four sixteenth notes at the same time, and just listening to it for so long that you could hear it from, the, from four different perspectives, because there's, well, there's more than that, but, but there's four main perspectives to hear that, that rhythmic relationship. And it's not easy to shift your mind into each different angle of how to hear that rhythm. So when I started to realize that you could listen to something very simple and allow your mind to hear it one way, and then force your mind to shift where it's hearing the main pulse was becoming a pretty strong like mental exercise and felt like well my early understandings of meditation I kind of thought that that was like it's kind of like a meditation it's really not a meditation it's, it's sort of the opposite of meditation because you're really doing like strong mental work and meditation is sort of like letting go of mental work so but at the time it was more like a focused like I'm going to really meditate my energy, you know, it, the, the, the word doesn't mean the same thing to me as it used to, so I guess the, I guess the word I should have been using back then was focus, but for some reason I was using the word meditation, so I started studying things about meditation, <coughs> and the concept of the, the word drum mantra came to me, because mantra is about, it's like a, a form of meditation where you repeat a, a, a phrase over and over and over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, well, you're repeating a rhythm over and over again, so drum mantra. So that that was kind of the, that idea blossomed instead of like that daydreaming kind of way of an idea coming to you. That idea came to me through study before the idea happened. Like I, my mind started focusing in on something without, I think this is important for me. This is an important thing in my own development is... When, you know, the way that I grew up and the way that I functioned and my, the way my mind worked was I was always trying to think of a, a way to, to make, make something happen or make, make money or make an event special or I was always trying, you know, I was always thinking of the, the end almost in a way like how can I take this idea and project it out and and this, this was a different one because this one was a genuine focus for quite some time without, it was, inter, it was, it was the, the direction of the, of the action was opposite of the, in the past. The direction of this action was inward because I was trying to, I was doing this for myself. I was, I was 
developing my own mind and my own concept of how I understood things. And then I laid a strong foundation of that understanding at the same time that the evolution of the idea became a name because I obviously I had that that kind of energy and, and mental residue and, and long history of that action. So of course a name's gonna come and then a name comes and I buy the domain and I keep working on the concept. I'm writing folders and books and book, you know, like notebooks full of ideas that are related to like science and math and rhythms and rhythms of planets and rhythms of of you know things on earth and all this stuff and all this philosophy and and you know one year passes two year passes and I'm writing I start to write little compositions utilizing these these concepts and I start writing more complex I didn't even think about them as being like exercises for drums for like two years they were just mental exercises for me so then like it's so crazy that the light bulb would go on that says hey this can be applied to drum set that's crazy that's crazy that it was a mental idea for me it wasn't even something I considered to be drumming wow weird um but it kept going it kept going I was writing songs and then of course I had a MySpace page and then I had uh you know a website with a name and, and then I had um music written under the name Drum Mantra and and then and then I have a Facebook page and, and it just continues and continues and continues and then all of a sudden all my ideas were seeming like they were starting to make sense and this is like seven, eight years into it I start writing these exercises in an order that I, that I think makes sense and so here's an idea that I have tirelessly been on now for right now, well, it's been 11 years, but, you know, at about the six or seven year point, I was starting to write exercises, and this was hours every day, I'm talking like four to six hours every single day since the beginning of it, if I'm not playing a gig, this is what I'm doing, and, um, you know, pretty soon I had 450 pages of, of exercises written in this book called The Drum Mantra. And then I realized no one is going to want a 450-page book full of exercises that are so meticulously developed from one to the next that, I mean, it's it's insane. But I realized this could be broken into into several books. And, and when I started breaking it apart, it, it kind of broke into nine books. So then all of a sudden, I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out how to get the first book ready and and then the first book comes out, and then Instagram starts to happen, and people are posting videos of drumming, and, and so I start filming some of the exercises and coming up with other drum tricks. So, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here we are, eleven years later, and you know I'm and, and here it, it, I'm still doing it, but um, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of the whole thing. So it's like. There was a long period of trial and error for bringing ideas into manifestation before one stuck. And I don't know if this one will stick forever, but it feels like it will because I've spent, I've, I've literally spent a quarter of my life on it, which is crazy to think about. But um, it's, uh, it's very interesting that 
you know, I would, I would think of, I would write things down like my, what is my manifesto or what is my mission statement? I had all these things kind of written out. What is my big vision? What's my five-year vision? What's my 10-year vision? All, all these things. And, and, um, you know, one of the visions was, um, you know, this is, this is an educational program. This is a way to develop for a drummer to develop from the ground up uh, coordination and really deep, detailed knowledge of rhythm. And it's that uh, there's that facet, but then there's the f- facet of me, you know, eventually doing compositions for either my own ensemble or for like universities to have percussion ensembles play these pieces and I would come in and, and be the guest artist and spend a week at the school and, and work with the students and then be the guest artist with their concert and uh, or I'd have my own group playing these compositions and traveling and and so that was sort of like the vision of how this thing becomes my career um, and it's very interesting because about a year ago almost exactly um, I was approached by a percussionist in Chicago named Matthew Duvall, who's a highly decorated, when I say decorated, I mean like Grammys, and uh, he just won this massive award in Australia. Um, he's a percussionist, he's in a group called 8th Blackbird, he travels all over the world, and this, this ensemble plays uh, new composition, new classical compositions um, for this chamber group that he has. And he got turned on to my stuff. He just happens to live in my neighborhood. And he came to one of my drum mantra classes and uh, really kind of fell in love with, with the material. And he and I became friends. And he asked me to... He's, he's always curating these big, crazy events. And, and all of a sudden, he says, Hey, man, I've got an idea for you. I want to pass along to you. And this was, this was a year ago. And he said... Um, there's this place in Sarasota, Florida called the Ringling Museum. It's uh, this big, huge, beautiful museum. And he's going to be doing a weekend of percussion concerts all over the, the museum campus with, with like a dozen percussionists that are going to be flying in from around the country to f- perform world premieres from composers and also perform pieces like by Stephen Reich and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking he's going to ask me to come play, and I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not my world at all to like be in a percu- play, play, like I'm not a, I'm not a professional percussionist, <laughs> I'm a drummer, and uh, so he says, I want you to, um, there's a, there's a, there's this gala on on Saturday night, and I want you to be the, the composer for that event for the percussionists. And he says, and I'm thinking that you should use the, the music that you've written, some of the music that you've written for the drum mantra books, some of the play-alongs for the books. Flesh those out into, you know, full percussion ensemble pieces, and we'll do that. And I told him right then and there, I said, this is cra- crazy because you are putting the piece of the puzzle into this vision I've had and held on to for the last, you know, six or seven years of these compositions being performed in front of an audience with a group by a group and so here we are uh the concert is october 20th 
which is in six weeks, and I am deep in writing. I've been writing and, and, and getting my scores ready and all this stuff for the last probably two months, eh, probably the last six weeks or so, you know, six hours a day, eight hours a day. Some days I've done even more than that. Because I've never done, I've never really done this before of building out these pieces into, you know, something that, that a dozen people can play. So there's another piece of the puzzle. And I think that it's really interesting that, that this, this idea has, has blossomed into a legitimate business. I mean, it's actually, you know, the book sales and my lessons and, uh, these performances and the 3030 course, and I have all I have all this stuff now that has, you know, kind of come about through my dedication to this idea, all the way to the point where it's starting to be like an actual business that has an impact on my income and my and my livelihood, which is really, really amazing. It's crazy. Um, and I don't know why I'm talking about this. I did not know what I was going to talk about. I just figured I was going to put the microphone on and start talking. I'm actually driving to Septemberfest to watch my daughter march in the Septemberfest parade. And I'm about four minutes from the parade grounds right now. And she should be marching any second. So I guess I'm going to wrap up. And I don't know. I, I guess the point of what I was saying is you're going to have a million ideas. And if you're frustrated because you're not getting anything happening... You've got to just start. You've got to take one idea and see how far you can take it. That might be the one idea that you have to have. Or you get that idea to a certain point, and then your next idea, you get a little further. And find find that idea. And the thing is, your ideas are going to match your... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find directions. The, the idea that's going to, to, to resonate the most with its longevity with you is the one that is the most true to your personal passion. And you may not even know what your personal passion is yet, but you definitely have ideas. And as your ideas happen, you just have to to, uh, try to flesh them out. And you'll know, you'll know when you are gaining steam or losing, losing focus. And you know, give yourself an honest amount of work, and if it and if it if it's going, then you're doing you're on the right track. And it might die after two years, it might die after one day. But the point is, if you want to take charge of your life, you have to start taking your ideas and turning them into something. And again, they might they might not all make it to the light of day. But one thing is, you're going to build the discipline to start focusing your thought. And start focusing your attention into this thing that eventually is going to show itself as your purpose. And when you find your purpose, you will find your happiness. And it and it's not like it's going to be easy because it's a lot of work. Once you start to find it, you dedicate yourself fully to it, and it's a lot of work. But um, it's absolutely worth it, and I highly recommend starting to flesh out your ideas and see what it is that you are passionate about and see what kind of reality you can create for yourself. All right, take care. I am here. Wow, there's a lot of people.
I gotta find a place to park. My gosh. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.